Welcome to Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn. My name is Ali Darwish. My name is Rashad Al-Ghul. And today we're joined by Muhammad Harb. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, Muhammad. Hi, my name is Muhammad Harb. I am hard of hearing and I am an artist and a graduate student. Okay, awesome, awesome. So today we're gonna have a different perspective, a different uh, disability that we're talking about. Um, you say hard of hearing. Uh, do you have an exact diagnosis? Well, what were you diagnosed with? Tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, like hard of hearing is like an umbrella term, I think, which is like under that spectrum, there's different people with different range of decibels they can hear. Like for example, like the easiest way to put my diagnosis is if like on my right ear, if 10 words are spoken to me, I wouldn't hear nine out of 10 of them. But on my left ear, I would hear about like, or I wouldn't hear about five or four of them. Um, like in terms of like a name for my diagnosis, it's just hard of hearing. There's no exact wording for it. Do you want to give us a little background about whether you were born hard of hearing or whether you became hard of hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was like speculated at birth that I was hard of hearing because um, when I was born, I came out with like some defects. Like I had pierced ears and then I had like two holes on my neck. So the doctor like gave me a physical or like checked me out and he was like, oh, like he told my mother, your son might possibly be deaf, but she didn't think anything of it because they gave us, he gave me a hearing exam when I was an infant. So then that t turned out to be fine. But then in elementary school, my school offered us a hearing exam and that's where I found out I was hard of hearing because three weeks later, my teacher took me to like the back of a stairwell and I met this woman who gave me a speech exam and after that she told me I had a speech impediment and I was hard of hearing only in my right ear. And then from that point, I was like going into high school, taking a lot of like audio exams like each year regularly. And in 10th grade, that's when I, had a hearing loss in my left ear so that's where i started wearing behind the ear hearing aids versus like an in the ear right hearing aid i find it quite interesting that like there was some speculation if you were you know hard of hearing if you were born with that defect or um if you developed it later on like i, I would expect it to be something like they would find out like yeah. very quickly because like i would expect that certain things certain milestones will be affected uh because of your of your condition w yeah. was that the case was like was it hard for you did you learn how to speak at a at the normal milestone times or were any of those things affected because of your condition yeah so it's like the reason i think i had to take a speech exam when i first found out is because they thought i did have a speech issue and that's when they found out i actually did like i couldn't say my r's or my like sh's because they would sound like ch or like my r's would sound like w so but at the time I didn't realize I was doing it because my hearing was like not too bad where it's not noticeable. And I feel like a misconception about hearing loss is like, oh, like you know when you're not hearing, but the thing is like you never know what you are not hearing. So it's like a kind of mistrust you have in your senses. So it's like every day you're living and you're like, oh, did I hear that? Or did I not hear what this person said? But I thought I heard what they said. So it becomes like this in the mind, like argument you have with yourself all the time right and a lot of times i imagine it's probably like uh you know somebody's speaking with you and then if you don't hear them clearly you ask them to repeat what they said and then they go and they repeat it you know sometimes multiple times uh did that ever make you feel different growing up um 
Yeah, so then to do that, I just never asked anyone anything. I just like kept quiet. So it's like I also feel like my hearing problems made me a bit more on the shyer side. But naturally, before that, I was already shy. But like to answer your question, um, yeah, there would just be some times where I just didn't ask people what, and I would just move on. So I would just shake my head, yeah, 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 I got you, I understand. And then they would quiz me like ten minutes later, oh yeah, do you remember when I said this? I'd be like, um, no, I didn't. And so it like started a big conversation. So when did you when did you get hearing aids? How old were you when that happened? And how was the transition like from not having hearing aids on to mm-hmm. now having them on? Yeah, my first hearing aid was um, right when I got diagnosed, I went to an audiologist. And so they gave me a hearing aid, but it was in the ear. So, because like at the time I was shy about it. I was like, oh, like I don't want to be too different from my classmates. So the difference though between an in-the-ear hearing aid and a behind-the-ear is like the proximity of sound it, take, it captures. And the in-the-ear is worse with that. So you can't like hear as much as your potential can or like if that makes sense um but the difference is so significant like every time i put on a new hearing aid i hear the air like actually move when i move and then i hear so many loud sounds i get like overstimulated so right now that still happens because it amplifies it so much i mean you get used to it over time but like if i'm in a really crowded space like really busy coffee shops it gets to a point where like i can't even hear the person next to me so i have to go like separate myself and like take a break because because it's picking up other sounds yeah like uh, i would literally i could hear like the person next to me the person in front of me the other person eight feet away from me and then the other person to my right and left like super far and i'd just be like whoa bro like i can't believe people hear all this and it's because like i found out recently it's called like hearing fatigue when you get headaches from your hearing aids yeah and to alleviate that you just have to walk away but also, like, your brain is not used to, like, the overstimulation since, like, obviously I'm not wearing my hearing aids when I shower, so I take big breaks from them for a long time. So can you adjust the sensitivity of the yes, hearing aids? there's an app, actually, and the app can, like, raise your sensitivity to your sound or, like, negate it and you can basically turn them off. It's like, imagine wearing earplugs and then not listening to music. Gotcha. Were there any specific sounds um, or frequencies that bother you? Like, for example, walking around in school, if the fire alarm went off or the disaster alarm or, you know, a loud bell or something like that, do specific sounds bother you at all? Yes, the fire alarm, like, with a hearing aid on, like, um, it completely, like, starts giving feedback into my ear. And that also used to happen to my house alarm because it was really sharp and, like, high. And... I mean, if I, I'm not going to take my hearing aid off now, but if I did, like, and I would squeeze it, you would hear this feedback because it's, like, sound rubbing against sound or something like that. And that would just, like, play straight into my ear with all those sounds. And they, just, they would annoy me. Do you sleep with your hearing aids on? No. It's, like, imagine hearing aids like glasses. So it's, like, yeah. you only have to wear them, like, when you need them. And then when you don't want to wear them or you don't have to, you can just take them off. Okay, so is it is it difficult to wake up in the morning if by setting an alarm or is that? I um yeah. So what I do to like alleviate that is I turn my phone flash on sometimes because okay. some, yeah sometimes the light will like shine in my eyes and I'll be like so annoyed so I'll wake up or I set up really loud that sometimes my family will hear the alarm and my mom will have to come like wake me up because one time 
the fire alarm went out in my house at night, but I didn't wake up to it, and it was in my room. So everyone else woke up to it, and I only woke up because um, I felt their presence. Like I don't know if that's like an animal-human thing, but yeah. Muhammad, I have this uh, water spraying alarm uh, contraption that I have, so uh, let me know if you're interested. I can I can design one for you. Wait, I know like um, some deaf people, what they have is like an alarm that vibrates your bed. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like people who are hard of hearing or like deaf, we're like really sensitive to sound. So a lot of times I feel like I can feel when people are walking towards me. But I don't know if like everyone else experiences that or like that's just me being delusional sometimes. Is there a, a sense you prefer to use like other than sound at times, at certain times, or, or are you okay with using sound whenever s the sound option is available? I know we, we talked about, you, you mentioned hearing fatigue earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe when that happens, do you then prefer maybe to look at things instead or, or to, I don't know if you know any sign language, but maybe to communicate in that, that way? Yes, I know sign language because um, I took two classes at um, a community college for them. But to answer your question is, yes, I look at people's mouths a lot to lip read, which is like this huge misconception because a lot of times you can't actually lip read, but like on the off chance that I can figure out words through lip reading, I still do it. So I'm always looking at people's mouths and I really prefer captions versus like audio on like videos or whenever I can get captions. Could you tell us a little bit about like your experience with the hard of hearing community? Um, are you are you close knit with them? Is it because I, I hear a lot about the community? Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about the community at large? So like in terms of what community looks like when you're hard of hearing or deaf is in this space, like in the world, right? We have the hearing world and the deaf world. Now it gets for me, like personally, it gets complicated because I feel like I can fluctuate if I wanted to, but I, I don't know if like all hard of hearing people are like that since like we vary in decibels. But for me, I could either like trance or like fluctuate and like live in the hearing world because my hearing needs like help me with that. Or I could fully learn sign language and like dive into deaf culture and like solely live in the deaf world. But I don't know any hard of hearing like people other than me and then one other person. So like, yeah, I really wish I had a hard of hearing friends because like the experience is so, I think unique for everyone who's hard of hearing and deaf, but very similar in terms of like what we experience and like what misconceptions we face. How about when you took your uh, American Sign Language class? Did you meet any any other hard of hearing no, individuals? No, they're all hearing people. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. That's interesting. I, I expected to, yeah, that, no, that you'd bump into more people. Well, I, I presume that they probably had learned it at, a, at an earlier age had they had, like, severe yeah. uh, hearing issues. They say, like, teaching your baby hearing or, like, hard of hearing in general, like, ASL when they're first born is beneficial because it's, like, it can help language, or it can help with your child's language, like, flourish and, like, I mean, like, transcend really well, if that makes sense. Like, my... Uh, cousin taught her baby sign language and she's like a fully hearing child so but she can't speak so instead of like saying she wants more food she'll just like sign that she needs more food oh that's really cool yeah do you think you know having learned uh some sign language uh do you think like it would be easy enough for children to learn in regular sc school curriculums growing up 
Yes, I feel like, well, like, I feel like if sign language was accessible, it would really make, like, the world more, even more accessible to people who, are, like, obviously can't hear. But, like, most of the times when a child is hearing, like, hard of hearing or deaf, they're born to hearing parents. Like, for example, my parents both hear perfectly, and I'm the only one who's hard of hearing. So, in that case, there's two ways to raise your child, and that would either be teaching them a sign language and having that be their first language, or you raise them orally. But I, because my case is weird in the sense of, like, I found out my diagnosis when I was eight, my parents just decided to put me in speech therapy, and so I did that for, like, 10 years. So now people don't even recognize that, like, I went to speech therapy. I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I was a speech therapy kid. And like, no way, like, Michelle, your voice is so nice, or, like, your speech, I couldn't even notice. How long did it take you to start seeing, like, progress when you were doing speech therapy? I It depends on how much you practice, but, like, I did it for about, like, 10 years. But if I got really stuck on a word, my speech therapist would make me say it, like, eight times a day. And then I also had, like, a problem where I talked too fast, so she would teach me to, like, talk with my finger. So that helped me. So your speech was, I presume, much different before you had the hearing aids compared yeah. to after? I feel, like, I feel like it's because, like, it falls into that, like, obvious thing which, like, oh, you can't really hear yourself, so then how are you going to hear yourself talk? Yeah. So I fell into that trap, and then when I went to hearing aids, I was like, ew, I actually say these words that, that way? Like... I sound like Bugs Bunny from Looney Tunes. <laughs> Were you accommodated before having hearing aids at all? What was your experience like in the classroom? Did you have to like make your own like self-accommodations in terms of where you would sit in the classroom? Just tell us a little bit more about that experience before the hearing aid. Yeah, so before hearing aid, well, I never had a time like before hearing aids when I was diagnosed because when I was diagnosed, my school like immediately provided me a hearing aid. And then I got an IEP which I forgot what it's individualized education plan. Yeah, so I got an IEP and then each grade, it kind of varied a little differently. Like in third grade, I got a hearing aid. In fourth grade, I got like a hearing aid in this like box that was a speaker that I had on my table. And then in fifth grade, I went back to a hearing aid. And then when I was in middle school, it was still like a school given hearing aid. Okay. And then I got like extended tested time and um, like a silent room where I could like take my exams. Nice, nice. Was that all helpful to you? Do you feel like you needed that in your well, academic journey? It's kind of complicated for me because when I was younger, I hated the fact that I had accommodations. So there was a point where I got into high school, I immediately rejected my IEP. Like I had it and then I would never use it. They would give me extra testing time like for the SAT or like the PSAT. And I just wouldn't take it because I was like, oh, if all my classmates can do it, then why can't I do it? And it's not until I got into college where I realized, oh, I like I should have took my accommodations because they're obviously given to me because I need them. So like what, what do you think like contributed to that shift in your perspective? I think it was an understanding of like what my disability is because I had everyone around me tell me, oh, like, you're not disabled. A hearing problem is not a disability. Like, you yeah. wear a hearing aid, it's fixed. But then I realized, like, no, it's so much deeper than that because, like, a hearing aid's not fixing my hearing loss. Like, I still have trouble understanding people, even with them on. And then 
don't even get me started when people wear microphones and they're speaking like i i just don't understand like i just zone out so that brings up a, an interesting uh discussion um i give presentations to schools about like health related topics and uh i always like to ask uh like the the place that I'm presenting at if they need any accommodations for any given students and once at this one school um, I was presenting at I asked that question and they gave me a mic that was linked to um, a person who was hard of hearing yeah. so I guess the sound automatically transmitted mm -hmm. do you, do you know does, more about yes. that so I used to give this microphone to my professors in college and what it is it's like a microphone that goes straight into your hearing aid okay so you'll it's as if you hear them talking right next to you but they're actually like 20 feet away from you and i used to love that because i used to get that on top of like live captions so i would have this transcriber on like zoom or skype and she would link into the like the echo 360 which is like a recording of the classroom and she would just type notes while i'm hearing her like right next to me oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking cool. about they're really they're really really fast yeah, they're really fast a lot of people used to ask me if i did the echo lives and they'd be like yeah so the echo live is wrong and then i'd have to tell them oh i'm like disabled so like i just get captions can multiple people hear uh that microphone that transmits to uh that was transmitting to you can multiple people hear that at the same yeah, time Yeah, if it's linked into like the same like they're almost like walkie talkies where if you like link them to the same channel they'll work like when I was also in middle school, there's another kid with a hearing aid who would like have a microphone that we both shared and we would just give to the teacher. How was that received by the teachers and maybe by even by other students as well growing up? Like, did you, do you feel like you had to explain yourself a lot when you gave those microphones to the teachers or did they kind of already have an idea of what it was? Um, it's kind of like a mix of both, but then that's why when you have an IEP for hearing loss, like, I don't know if other people get this. I had a person, like, a special, like, an audiologist come into the school every month or so, and she would educate me about my own disability and, like, how to advocate for myself. And some teachers would, like, be confused, and but they would all wear it, and then other teachers would, like, really be passionate and wouldn't let me sit down without giving them the microphone. So then when it got to the time where I didn't want the accommodations, they would be the ones who, like, really pushed me. What, what did the advocacy look like, like, advocating for yourself? Well, it's, like, it's really, like, telling people and then making them understand, like, what hearing loss truly is. Like, for example, when I went to um, my disability specialist in college, my first meeting with her, she, like, looked at me in the eye and she goes, hey, is this okay how I'm talking to you? And, like, bro, you see my you see my like audio audio exam like you know exactly my hearing loss so it's really steps on like oh my hearing is not that bad where i can't hear you when you're talking this way but if you're like this far away from me it's gonna be bad and a good example of that also is my um high school teacher had a really low voice and he fell within my decibel range where i couldn't hear so with him i had to like make sure i was always in front of the room and always handed him the microphone but if my other teacher was not in that decibel range, I didn't have to give her the microphone because I would always hear her. What is this decibel range exactly? It's like, well, when you take like an eye exam, you know how they give, they like test you in the system of like, they go up a prescription and then back down and they kind of average those scores. A hearing exam is just like that, except you have this like automated person whispering to you or screaming at you. And within that, they find like the average of, oh, he's not detecting this and he is detecting this. So like 
they just give you that average and is is it like an actual number like because i i know i think for for humans and the doc can correct me it's 20 to 20 kilohertz or 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz that's the within hearing yeah, something range like that there's a there's a number to it i just don't memorize my numbers okay i'm just too lazy for <laughs> no that's fine um so you talk about your high school experience with the teacher with a low voice um just walk us through your the different experiences throughout elementary, middle school, and high school. You don't have to name the particular school, but just tell us about like your accommodation experience with, mm -hmm. with those different schools. I mean, they're all pretty much the same where like in elementary school, I was given a hearing aid and then I went to speech therapy. In middle school, I also was given a hearing aid and I went to speech therapy. And in high school, I was offered like all the same accommodations, but that's just when I like decided not to take them and then but with all of those accommodations I always had extra testing time and I always had like group therapy sessions with other like disabled people and we would just try to figure out like how our identity intersects with like our disabled identity so it seems like from what you've heard so far that uh, throughout your journey specifically in academics you've been given you know a few different things right mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the microphone right um even the iep right yeah. uh and and uh i kind of want to go the other route now right look at the the opposite side was anything ever taken taken away from you uh because of your hearing disability um like in my personal life i would say my hearing like took away like my confidence in the sense of like I was already shy to begin with before hearing aids, but because like I was too afraid to ask if when I didn't hear something, I just turned into like a super shy kid. I wouldn't even talk or like, and that kind of transcends to who I am now, which I'm trying to get out of guys. But um, like, I don't even order food sometimes if it's just a crowded space, because also I think I have like a low voice. Like I'm not an out loud person. So when I like face people in those like really busy coffee shops, they can never hear me. And so, and I can't ever hear them. So I just avoid those situations. Like that's a big consequence. I so. do think that you're challenging yourself though, like by being on this podcast, for yeah. example, right? You're kind of breaking that barrier and yeah. uh, becoming more confident in yourself. Yeah, we commend yeah. you for, for doing this. And I think it's gonna benefit the community and your own self-confidence. So I, I think it's very good what you're doing and we appreciate yeah, it. Follow my account. What? Yeah. So, in, in addition to that, guys, um, Muhammad has an Instagram account. If you could, you tell us a little bit more about that oh, account. Yeah. Um, so, as a kid, I used to draw a lot. Like before, I even found out I had hearing loss, and so now, like, I kind of integrate my disabled identity with like my Middle Eastern slash Arab identity into that, and like try to figure out that space. So, guys, follow me. It's Hamoudi Harb. R H A M M O U D I H A R B A R T. So <laughs> amazing art, guys. You'll you'll enjoy it. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your experiences when when you put the hearing aids on. Um, you said it affected your self-confidence because mm -hmm. you would pretend that you were hearing people when you weren't. And, and that affected your dynamics yeah. with, with communicating with people. But how how was it received like after wearing the hearing aids? How was that received by by your classmates? Didn't were people asking you questions? How was that like? Yeah, um, a lot of people would just ask me like really like 
bad questions they're like oh haha do you shower with those and i think what it is it's like the lack of education we have about like hard of hearing people like even though like it's a really common disability and you can't name more than like one person you've met with a hearing problem like i feel like in most cases i'm always the first person someone meets so that means it's like it's my job to educate them which gets frustrating at times because i don't want to always educate people i really wish like people would just know like in college this this only happened one time but this one girl came up to me or like we were in a group and my teacher was like guys make sure like just group up with whoever's next to you and she looks at me and she goes hey mohammed i noticed you're wearing hearing aids so if you ever need me to speak up or you need anything repeated let me know and that shocked me completely because i felt so seen and that i didn't have to explain myself or like explain how hearing works because i'm always faced with like oh like that's not a real disability oh does that really happen to you and it just gets like tiring so so how do you want people to approach you when when they see you if they if they're curious about your disability um how would you want them to approach you i mean it's you can just approach in a respectful way you just i guess like don't be ignorant in the sense of like hey like don't assume every word like you tell me i'm going to hear because like i don't like count my hear like hearing aids as like an invisible disability because like obviously you can see them but in some cases people see them and they think there's something else like so if you like approach someone who has a hard of hearing like identity or is like wearing hearing aids you just make sure to like you're in a setting where it's not too crowded and just speak loud and clear to them and if they still can't hear you there's other ways to like get your message across by rewording like sometimes it's actually like the sentence you're saying is just audio audibly like messy so if you like rephrase that sentence it can like make them understand it better so i just thought of something while you know during that discussion of mm-hmm. communicating with others um growing up especially in elementary school there was always those games i forgot what they were called but like telephone where you had to whisper to somebody next to you right yeah. uh what's your take on those how did you feel participating in those or did you not participate in those because you felt no, I always participated. Okay. I was just always bad at it. But, <laughs> but like rightfully so, right? But um like those games I just always played was like luckily my elementary school, which I feel like is the most important time for like when you develop, right? They were really like open and inclusive because it was so many of us and we all came we were really diverse. But like they didn't care because I oh, I was growing up with them before I even had my like diagnosis. So they were really cool. It's not until I got into um, college where I faced some like sharks in the water. Yeah, and, and kids are kind of like you know ignorant in a nice way. Yeah. It's, it's very naive. And they ask questions from the mm-hmm. goodness of their heart. So I'm sure like those people who were condescending or downplayed your disability, uh, that happened later on in your life. Yeah, and that happened with like adults. So I really don't understand how that happens because like I feel like people assume that's with children, but it's the adults that like will like pity me or um like really like devaluate or devalidate my like identity could you give us some examples of, of that yes i got you guys um i got into a fight one time with someone who also had a learning disability because um she was mad that i got accommodations that she didn't but that was only because she didn't sign up with like the services at her school and then tried to tell me that my disability was like not a real disability and that hers was more important I was like, dude, we do not have to get into this like disability battle. Like, what is this pity oh, wow. games? And then um, she ended up never doing this 
just to disability services and just stayed mad. Honestly, I think in those situations, it's better to work together, you know? like Yeah, it literally, literally right. And then she had, like, a friend come in at me, and then they got mad because, like, I did slightly better than them on an exam. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting when, when people do things like that, undermine, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whatever problems that you're going through or downplay them. Uh, but this is what this platform is for, to educate the community and empower individuals. And, you know, you said that this is something that's very common, and we have some statistics on that that yeah. I'd like to read. So by 2050, nearly 2.5 billion people are projected to have some degree of hearing loss, and at least 700 million will require hearing rehabilitation. So you know th- these are these are just some of the facts yeah. that are th- that should bring some of these issues to light. Mm. Yeah, that also has to do with um like there's one form of hearing loss where it's like self-caused. Like if you listen to loud music for like a prolonged amount of time. My audiologist used to warn me and say, like, oh, like, that's going to cause, like, temporary or threshold hearing loss, which then leads to permanent hearing loss. So at the time I also got diagnosed, that's what they tried to sell it as to me. They are like, oh, it's just threshold hearing loss, and then it became temporary. But then when I was, like, getting scanned and stuff, they realized, like, oh, there's an actual, like, physiological problem with you. Okay, so I think this is a good time for us to take our break. We'll be back at Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn with Muhammad Harp. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you or someone you know would be interested in being a guest on the podcast, or if you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at dreamdearborn, or on our website at dreamdearborn.org, or on our email at disabilitiesproject at umich.edu. Thank you. Welcome back to Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn. We're having a discussion with Muhammad Harub on his learning disability slash hearing disability. I call it a learning disability because we talked briefly about that off camera. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it's like when I did get diagnosed, they cla- it's like classified also as a learning disability because like plain and simple, if you like break down learning disability and disability, it's like, oh, you're having trouble in the classroom. So obviously like hearing plays a part into that, but that's also part of the reason why like people would undermine like my actual identity as a disabled person, because it's like, oh no, you're just, you have a learning disability outside of the classroom. It doesn't apply to you. But like that's, I think where the lack of education comes in with like, oh no, like this hearing problem or like my hearing problem does apply outside of a classroom setting. Yeah, if anything, I would expect that to translate more to other other lived experiences beyond yeah. the classroom. Yeah, so it's it's interesting uh, that that intersection uh, does exist. Um, Speaking of experiences outside the classroom, what was your experience like at home growing up? You know, with family, friends, uh, outside of school, outside of the academic setting. At home, I feel like I was very encouraged to like be like obviously myself, like including my disability. And like obviously there were times where like my parents or like family or like family and friends didn't quite understand like what disability is or like they obviously knew what being disabled was but in the context of like a hearing problem because i was the first one i am the first one and only one in my family who has like a hearing problem it was just hard for them to first get it but then after they understood it was like pretty chill and encouraging like they would just push me to like either get a good grade or like get out of my comfort zone and like start talking to more people. Are you the first in your family to have a disability? Like just broadly speaking? Um, like in terms of like 
my me yeah but like uh, my other cousins are like diabetic so i i consider that a disability too yeah yeah i mean the definition for what is considered a disability yeah. is very broad uh we even see like we we talk about depression mm -hmm. uh some sources claim that it's like the number one uh disability on earth just because it could be disabling so um there there are multiple definitions and we can get into a whole discussion about that we're talking about a lot of facts here with with your with your uh, uh, condition. Could could we talk a little bit more about some misconceptions that we hear uh, when it comes to uh, uh, having a, a hearing issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think big misconceptions are like one, we don't know how to talk right, which is like okay, like that just obviously depends on the person and like what kind of hearing loss they have. But then also, I think misconceptions come from like what hearing aids do or like what we can hear or what we can't hear and it's just it's all like simple stuff but it's just because of the lack of education that people just don't know so people would would say that people who have hearing problems cannot cannot speak yeah or just like oh like you talk a little funny is that because you have hearing problems or even like people who end up like i guess m who mumble or just get their words confused a little bit they could be mistaken for having a hearing problem but like, I feel like it's all like media and what the like media does to people. Like, have you ever seen a hard of hearing person on camera before? Like, actually with that disability, like I've never seen that. Or like, even if I did, I don't think they were represented properly. Yeah. So this is one platform by which we're mm -hmm. trying to eliminate such misconceptions. Uh, can you think of any other things, uh, any other ways that we can eliminate these misconceptions, any approaches that people can take to help mitigate these problems? I feel like just a quick Google search and then curiosity, right? Like if you are curious about a disability, like there's no one stopping you to like not research it. Or like if you meet someone with a disability, you can always ask them and you just say it in a less, just don't be ignorant and come from like a respectful point of view. Like, hey, I don't really understand what you're going through, but I want to. So then if you can let me know, that'd be amazing. So you yourself having the disability, right, and mm -hmm. having that lived experience, right, of having that disability, uh, that kind of helped you in terms of education and, and you know, uh, understanding a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, how would you describe the shift between or uh, before you had the hearing aids to after you had the hearing aids? Like, did your curiosity grow? Did you ask more questions? Did you... Uh, look up more things as you were saying did you look up more things online did you go to your family perhaps mm -hmm. ask them questions or anything like that yeah so after I got them and I still do this to this day because um, when I first got them I like YouTube oh people who have hard of hearing and I would try to look up vlogs or stuff and like be like oh like what are these people doing and I found nothing and even to this day I don't find that much like I feel like now there's a surge of like people on the internet coming out and saying like oh I'm hard of hearing this is what I experienced but like where I came, where I found out about hearing fatigue is because I was listening to a podcast about someone else who's hard of hearing. And then he explained that and I was like, wow, like that totally resonates with me. And now I can put a word to it because the whole time I was like feeling it, but I just didn't know how to like vocalize that. Do you ever try to leverage your social media platforms to spread awareness about such such topics? Yeah, I try to, um, with my art account, I try to draw hearing aids like as much as I can to resemble me. Like they're kind of like, surrealist self-portraits but other than that if people see me and they talk to me then i just let them know like i have hearing problems or like 
I feel like I'm very proud of my identity when I meet people because they notice. But like if I've never talked to the person or like they don't know about me and I don't know about them, then like obviously I can never like tell them. How did your love for art come about? Um, that was pre-diagnosis, and that was because I was in first grade, and I drew these, like, crazy lines that look like ladders, and um, my teacher assistant thought it was, like, the stairway to heaven because she was a good Christian lady. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I just, I feel like subconsciously, like, if I want to get, like, cool and deep, I always knew I was hard of hearing, and because of that, like, I was, um, Compensate, compensating with it visually, so I would keep drawing to do that, and so now I just like stuck with it, and I draw now for like as like a professional thing. If you need any ideas, I'm like crazy. Like I have so many ideas. I mean, you need to have such crazy ideas for your drawings. <laughs> I know it's actually so bad. Sometimes they come at the gym and I have to write them down. Do you wear your hearing aids? This this is one of the I questions he yeah, asked. No, 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 no. Like headphones. Do you wear your hearing aids when you when you're drawing? Um, yeah, because okay. they're headphones, so I can, like, you know how AirPods work? Oh. I can listen to music like that. I want to ask you about, like, something that I've heard in the classroom. You know, we hear this a lot in college, and Rashad and I took a class on this uh, about learning how to learn. We took a class at, at U of M that basically teaches you how, how to learn effectively. And you hear these different modalities of, of learning. You know, some somebody's a visual learner, somebody's uh, an auditory learner. What's the other one? Like, kinesthetic, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Basically, that whole idea was debunked. Like there isn't, yeah, there isn't like one set learning style. But just growing up, did you did you ever hear about that? And and how did it make you feel? Because did you feel like I, I have one modality of learning that I sim that I, I will continuously struggle with? Yeah, so like, yeah, great point. Um, every time that like those phrases came up with like, oh, what kind of learner are you? I immediately said visual. Like I didn't even. One, I hated working with my hands because I could not build anything for my life. And two, I had hearing problems. So I was like, oh, obviously. So I just picked visual and I just stuck with it forever. And then now that I got debunked, well, like, I am a psych major and I was a psych major in undergrad. So it's like, I feel like memory is really different than like, and memory is obviously how we like kind of learn. So it's like, in terms of like how I used to study or like whatever, I would still hear things like I would still play like my um, lecture videos and I would like hear it, hear the audio, but I would also like read something while doing that and that would help me hear it better. Like there's this weird thing that um, I don't know who they are, but I always say the phrase, oh, they say, but um, they say like people who draw kind of like fall into this meditative state where they're even more aware of their surroundings. So I feel like I also started drawing because um, it helped me hear better around like my when I was in the classroom. Why surrealism? I, I like I like it. It's it's one art category that I'm interested in. Uh, but what drew you to that in particular? Um, probably because I'm not as good to get to realism. But um, that's like the real answer. I don't think I'm good enough to get to realism yet because it's like a lot of work. But also, I feel like the medium matters. And because I do it online or like through my iPad, like there's only so much you can do. And I don't like putting that much effort into it because I like to make stuff really fast because I'm impatient. Have you thought about putting like a twist of realism into your pictures and your drawings? Like, like taking all of like maybe making a story out of them, but a story that's related to real life, whether it's you, yeah. your story or somebody else's story. 
Yeah, I was gonna do that for a while. Like I okay, I have like drafts and like that's part of my drafts to make this like crazy like drawing about like put it into like a picture of what being disabled is like for people who are hard of hearing. Like I had this idea of like drawing the sky and then the words would come in one ear and then like they would be different out the other because like that kind of explains the like mix of what I, words. But I just didn't have the time yet because I'm like focused on so many other projects right now. And you're a master's student yes. right now. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it starts this upcoming Tuesday, which is which today's date? Um, it starts August thirtieth. But um, with that, I had to like submit a portfolio, and that was like a lot of work with like graphite and like oil painting and an online like digital drawing. Um, so it's it's art therapy. Yeah, it's like art, yeah, it's art therapy. <laughs> and and what what drew you to that field? Um, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, well, I my undergraduate degree was in psychology, and I minored minored in art. And so to even qualify for that program, you had to like experience those two like components in undergrad. But like I always drew, so I just knew like. I wanted to do something with art, but I didn't know what because when I first um, went to undergrad, I was a nursing student. And obviously we're not a nursing student anymore. Alhamdulillah, finally. But um, yeah. Well, it is, I mean, it's in the name, right? Art therapy, it is, a, yeah. it is therapeutic, right? It, whether, you know, you're drawing things, as you mentioned, the idea you had earlier of, you know, the person with the hearing aid and words coming in one ear and coming out differently the other ear, or whether it's, you know, uh, just something else about your life you know it, it yeah. can help you get a lot off your chest off your mind uh in in a way that's that you enjoy doing you know yeah, it's uh, so like hard to even like vocalize that feeling like there's no words to put it when you like put something on paper and like it represents you like i don't even know how like i'd go about describing that it's like euphoric in a way they say a picture is worth more than a thousand yeah. words so how long does it take you to draw your I know we're talking a lot about the art, but it, it's very interesting stuff. Um, like if it's if it's a painting, like s sometimes it takes days. Like I took an oil painting class, and so I drew two portrait or I painted two portraits. Those took like one took a week, the other took like a month. Um, and then when it's digital, I can like get it done in about like five hours. If I really like hard work, no break. But usually I take a lot of breaks because um I'm a tourist and I like eating a lot. So I'm curious, uh, com going away from the art a little bit, right? Uh, a lot of times we hear that there's a difference between hearing something and listening, right? Hearing and listening. What's your take on that? I, f I think there's a difference. Like when I think about hearing versus listening, like hearing to me is like non-focused, where it's like, oh, you're just hearing something and you're not really paying attention, therefore you can't comprehend which I think is my case a lot, even when I am trying to like listen, which is like trying to comprehend what's happening. But yeah, like listening just to me means comprehending and like hearing just means like it's happening in the moment. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, accommodations outside of the classroom. Uh, do you feel like public places are accommodating at all? Or what do you think needs to be done in our community to improve accommodations for a person like you um i don't think there's any accommodations outside of like 
the classroom setting for me, but like in terms of what those accommodations look like, I don't think they're ever going to be possible only because the majority are people who hear, right? So it's like, ideally, if I were to ever sit in a coffee shop, I would have it where it's like not as crowded and you would have like somewhat divided rooms with good lighting so I could either lip read or like hear as much sound as I can. But like realistically, no one's ever going to build that infrastructure and you can't control the flow of customers. So it's it's just hard. Like you can't ever get what you want sometimes. So either you like you just I try to make it accessible for even like abled or hearing people to come to me. Like I remember in my art therapy interview, one of the questions were like, so what is like your greatest strength or whatever? And I was cheesy and I said like accessibility because if I know I'm disabled, right? I want to try to meet like another person, no matter even if they're disabled or abled, halfway at least. So what does that look like for me? It means I either raise my hearing aids if I notice, notice they have a low voice or I give them my full divided attention. But if the other person's not willing to meet me halfway, then like we both lose. How about places like like movie theaters? Um, how how is that experience like for you? Um, well, the movie theaters do offer captions, but I've never used them, and I heard they're very bad because um, sometimes they don't even work and they're not charged, or other times it's for the wrong movie. But also, even sometimes people who like generate captions make errors, and so the captions are wrong. But uh, and there's a difference between like generated and like versus transcribed captions. Would you rather have somebody signing? I, if I knew sign language, I would prefer that, but because I'm not fluent, I have to stick to captions. But I do plan on like being fluent in sign language. That's just gonna take like time. Do you plan on ever teaching people sign language, teaching a class maybe, or a small um, group at least? I feel like I could if I learned, but then like, I feel like you have to be like certified but I do know someone like I know a mutual who um, is an interpreter so I might just have her like make a class I don't know if you saw like that there's like a disability friendly coffee shop where the, yeah, the Starbucks and um, it's in DC it's because um, in DC they have like a university solely for like deaf people or people who know ASL there's actually a documentary oh it's it's for the hard of hearing yeah, but you oh, know, really? like one of the criteria though is like you have to know sign language because all the professors will like sign. They don't they barely use English there. But there's a documentary on Netflix called Deaf U where it follows students in that school. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty decent like representation, but like that was more of a focus on like the deaf world and like deaf elitism, which uh, that doesn't apply to me cuz it's like I'm the first generation have you ever ever had any surgeries? Yeah, I, I had like three cosmetic surgeries because um my ears were deformed, but then also my first surgery, the the guy allegedly put a metal ball in my eardrum oh. to stabilize it, but that did nothing. So like I don't really know what that is. Is this like for. a surgery in Lebanon or something? No, it was <laughs> in America. Hold on, I felt no, actually I don't feel bad because he was so annoying. But he ended up paying for it because um he literally pinned my ears like, okay, between your ear and your head you have your sulcus. And so I didn't have that. Like, he literally pinned my ear straight to my head. And um, oh I cried, and he paid for my surgery. Um, before we get to our dream segment, I just wanted to ask you a little bit. You said your family was uh, a good source of support and advocacy mm -hmm. for you, right? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned having a twin to us privately, mm -hmm. right? 
do you feel like that helped your development growing up having a twin you know the same age growing up with somebody who understands you on a, on a personal level and and uh you know sometimes you can't tell your parents everything right it definitely pushed me because we're competitive right so i feel like part of the reason i did deny my accommodations was like in spite to be um my twin because i we were like that competitive like especially for the PSAT or like the SAT right like i didn't have any accommodations on those and like in hindsight i should have done that but like i feel like because uh, like like you said i had a twin so like she was there for me to help me like i just didn't need them awesome awesome so we always like to ask our guests uh a question what is your dream and that's part of our dream segment basically it can be about anything uh whether it's disability related or non-disability related so muhammad what is your dream um my dream right like short-term dream is to um inshallah graduate from graduate school because i heard it was really hard like the orientation scared me but inshallah like the super wild dream is to have a lot of money so i do not have to work and to be famous out of my artwork <laughs> Inshallah. That's a very good Inshallah. dream. Inshallah. Inshallah. Guys, yeah. you, heard him. Good. you heard the man. You yes. heard his Instagram yeah. handle. Uh, we'll try to drop it in the link below. Uh, but yeah, follow him. Uh, make that dream a reality. All right. And with that, thank you so much, Muhammad, for joining yeah, us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to all of our viewers watching at home. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Dream Dearborn. And visit our website, dreamdearborn.org. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next episode.